Pharisee, I preach the gospel I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals You're not reformed, so that's a risk I believe the five points like an asterisk I repent, but you're in sin still I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill well, Here we go, and welcome to another episode of Solar Cash Your boy, Pastor Chris Hernandez I'm with my man, Jimmy De Los Santos How you doing, Pastor Chris? And Pastor Henry Knox What's up, what's up, good people? How you doing, Pastor Chris? Doing well, man. Stumbled a little bit again in the intro, but we all good. We all good. It's <laughs> hey, early, man. man. Fall down seven <laughs> times, get up eight, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> How are you guys doing this morning? What's new? Uh, well, I, I think we ought to tell the tell, tell the listeners. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so I was on Sunday. We had a fellowship uh, Sunday, you know, good times and everything, eating. And uh, we played a little basketball. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my body uh, showed me that I'm not 20 years old anymore. And uh, yeah, so I ruptured my Achilles tendon in my right foot. Man. So yeah, so yeah. I got an MRI yesterday. Uh, actually, Brother Jimmy took me uh, yesterday. We, we had we had a good conversation, and we'll talk about some of that other uh, stuff today. But yeah, it is definitely torn, so I'm gonna have to have surgery. So uh, the surgery is like 45 minutes, but the recovery is like six to eight months. <laughs> Yikes! Well, you know, um, here, here's here's the here's the good thing though. Right after you after you had to leave, you had to leave our fellowship and leave the basketball behind. Yeah, we we stepped up for you, and in honor of, of Pastor Henry having you know gone after and you injured himself, we took out the young bucks. <laughs> right? like the, the, so we had, we had four on four little little game out there, yeah. and there was some old timer guys playing some young guys. There was a, there was maybe one older guy on their team, but but most of them were pretty young, and, and we're just gonna call out one Leo. Leo, I'm calling you out, bro. I'm just letting you know because Leo talks a lot of noise and he's always directing that kind of stuff at me. I'm just going to say we beat them and I believe it was seven to five, right? Um, he wanted to go to 10, but man, this old timers were just, just never going to make it to 10 points, right? So we, we, we said seven and we won the game. And uh, it, it, striking fashion, by the way, I, I would say there was some really good like layups and things like that. You know, from a short guy like me, having put a layup to these people, this is pretty good, man. Me getting that close to the goal. But I will just say, <laughs> I would just say this: we we redeemed the day for you, Pastor Henry. There you go. Uh, in, in that fashion, and I will tell you this: you know, when you get back to you know getting out there in court, but you know, afterwards, I, I went ahead and told Leo that I retired because I'm gonna retire <laughs> on top, having beat Leo. <laughs> Um, but when you get back to playing, you know, I'm gonna get back out there with you. I'm I'm, I'm gonna come out of retirement for just one game. Yeah. Right? When you when you come back to and we'll we'll put it to him again, man. We'll put it to well, him. Again. I'm just sitting here in shock that you guys were playing basketball on the Sabbath. <laughs> I thought y'all were I thought y'all were reformed. Hey man, hey, oh, hold on a second. I'm just playing, man. Nah, but but but, but seriously, y'all keep Pastor Henry in prayers, man. Yeah, that's gonna be a, a bit of tough recovery. It was that uh, Kevin Durant injury, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Same, Same thing. thing. Same thing. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, before we get uh, get us started, uh, speaking of like recoveries and exercises and everything, tell us your uh, bike story, your escapade. <laughs> okay. So, so last week I talked about uh, going out and buying a bike, right? I told you guys that I wanted to buy a bike. My Achilles was starting to hurt me for some reason. Uh, it's getting better, you know, as my, I, I've been, you know, doing the two a days and part of it is walk and running or whatever, you know, yeah. four, uh, 45 minutes outside. And so usually I go for a run or go for a walk or something like that, something outdoors. But with my Achilles hurting the way it was, I, I decided to go out and buy a bike. And I, I went, man, Walmart was empty on the bikes, uh, right? Like, and uh, I think we talked about this last week, but I couldn't find a bike anywhere. Target, Walmart, I decided to go to pawn shops. I'd had success, right? So I went and found a, a, a bike at, a, at like the fourth pawn shop that I went to. And uh, it was nice, Roadmaster, right? Like, and I got a good deal on it, right? I, I was able to get the guy down $10 from 80 to 70, right? And I bought that bike and I, I brought it home and I rode it you know, a few times and it was, it was good. But I, I tell you what, I got to the point where I was hurting, not, not from the fact that I could ride the bike, but just in the pants area. <laughs> right. So like, like I was walking funny cause like that little bike seat doesn't help anybody. Right. And I'm an old man. And I'm gonna tell you, uh, I was really hurting from that. So here's what I did. I went searching on the internet for something I could do. Right. And I bought me two pairs of bike 
short pants, all right? There's something you can wear <laughs> under your shorts with padding, right? Yeah. And and so, like, I got two of these. These are street strange because, you know, part of what I've been doing is riding two miles to the gym that's close to my house, Planet Fitness, ride there, work out, you know, the strength, strength workout, and then ride. It only takes me 10 to 12 minutes to get there. And so I got to ride another 30, 35 minutes, 37 minutes, 30, 40 minutes to get in my 45 so afterwards, I ride around, you know, the neighbors, the neighborhoods here to get back home. But I was really hurting. So I thought those bike shorts would help with all the padding that they have in the in the seat and in the crotch area. Right. And you know what? They kind of did, but they kind of didn't. Man, I was still hurting. I was like, what is what do I got to do? And then my, my son-in-law, um, my daughter came over with my grandson one of, one of these nights uh, this past week. And my son-in-law was when he came. Uh, my daughter told him that I had bought some crotch pants. <laughs> and he That's said, "Why what you don't call you call him?" Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what else to call him, right? And he he tells me, uh, "Why didn't you just buy a new seat?" So as soon as he left, I, I jumped on Amazon and I started looking. And sure enough, there's some nicely padded seats out there. And so right. I bought one of those. Um, and it came the next day, right? So I got it on Thursday this week, and I put it on. And I went for a ride, and I'm going to tell you, man, heaven, bro. Like, I wore the, the crotch pants and the padded seat and went for my first bike ride. And I was like, yeah, now, see, this is good right here. <laughs> this is good. So I, I finally get to a point where it's comfortable on that seat. But I'm going to tell you, man, there, was, there were times when I was riding the, the, those first few days where I would just like, man, I got I to gotta stand up. You know how you can stand up in your bike as you're riding? I'm get up off this seat, man, because it's killing me right now. And uh, but you know, well, hey, I know we don't have a, a dress code at Ecclesia, bro. But don't wear those bike shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, maybe if you put a blazer on with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they look under my um, under my regular pants. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, you know, with the with the gym shorts that I wear, or the you know the, the shorts that I wear. When I see people that ride bikes that dress up like bike gear you know Lance Armstrong what is it the lycra that they wear or the spandex or something I don't know yeah, what it's, it's called it's, it's, all tight, it's all tight fitting stuff right I wonder if James White does that because you know James White he goes <laughs> yeah. he goes on 100, 100 mile bike rides right and uh, I, I don't know what he wears but I can't do that man that's just not me you know uh, I'm sorry Hispanics just don't do that man just don't do that we don't wear tight fitting any that I know anyway, that, you know, we'll put on some spandex or some Lycra to go ride a bike. It just didn't seem right to me, man. It seems too close. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, one of those things. I, I just need to be modest, man. It's what the Bible calls me to. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's go ahead and, and jump right to it, man. You know, that was, a, that was a good story to kick things off, but um, I don't know about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> now you got everybody confused out there. <laughs> But let's try to refocus and uh, get, get into the topic of the day. So, you know, past couple of weeks we've been talking about, you know, the, the current status in the country, the unrest. And we, last week we talked a little, we touched a little bit on race and racism and so forth. And, uh, you know, we wanted to uh, bring this discussion to the air because, uh, you know, one thing that we hear a lot, and this is not only within the past few months uh, and years or whatever, I think this has been going on for a while, is whenever, you know, guys like us, you know, say that the answer to society's issues is the gospel. And we talk about, you know, the, the need to preach the gospel and to lead with the gospel gospel you know you hear a lot of pushback right so a lot of a lot of people will push back on that and people will say uh well, we can't just preach the gospel you know what do you mean by just preach the gospel we got to do x y and z so we get a lot of criticism you know so we, what we wanted to do is we wanted to devote an episode just kind of breaking down what we mean when we say preach the gospel and i think one thing that started this uh this path down uh, what we wanted to talk about was a video that came out by uh, Matt Chandler recently uh, where he kind of criticized this, uh, I guess, strong man, if you will. So yeah. that's what we want to do is just break down the strong man of people like us that say preach the gospel. Jimmy, you had a, a definition of strong man, right? I do. And I, I think the, the, the reason that we got a definition is I don't know if everybody knows. I mean, at first I'm like, when I first heard Pastor Chris use the word strong man, I'd never really understood or never really even thought about it when someone's arguing with me and they, they build up a straw man. But here, here we go. Dictionary.com says this. Uh, it's a noun, straw man, an intentionally misrepresented proposition that is set up because it's easier to defeat than the opponent's real argument. Right. And, and so just to think, uh, uh, you know, uh, hey, I'm arguing one thing, but somebody props up something else and says, 
I'm going to attack that. And that way you're going to feel like I defeated your real argument, but that's right. not, that's not really the case. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start there. Uh, Jimmy, you got that uh, Chandler uh, video there. Let's go ahead and, and play that. And we'll, we're going to stop, you know, cause I think we want to, we want to discuss some of the things that he's talking about and just kind of give our thoughts on it and so forth. So go ahead and play that. And then we'll, we'll kind of just stop in the way. I don't think it's that long. And then we'll just carry the conversation from there. And, and I just, I just, I just want to say up front that, cause I know a lot of times in Christendom, we can be dismissive of people and their labor in the Lord and all those things. Right. So you know, there are certain things that I disagree with on many different pastors and many people who are in the faith. Um, I don't believe that Matt Chandler is a heretic. Um, I believe that he is in grave error. <clears throat> I, I think that it can be fruitful to read some of his past writings or listen to some of his past sermons. Um, but we have to call specific things out when that error does arise. And so, you know, we feel <clears throat> by scripture that um, these type of things are an error or there's an error in thinking. And also too, we don't attribute malice where it doesn't need to be attributed, but we do examine um, things with a, with a biblical perspective. And when people come out and they say these things and they make these straw men, these men and, and, and women in some cases are not unintelligent people. They are very intelligent people. They know what they're doing and I just don't want to attribute pure ignorance in these cases. So in our response, we are going to be gracious, but we're going to be firm on the biblical foundation by which right. we are making our responses. So I just want to put that disclaimer yeah. out there. No, I'm glad you did say that, uh, Pastor Henry, because, yeah, same thing with me, man. I, we're not saying that Pastor Henry, I mean, <laughs> that Pastor uh, Chandler is a is a heretic by any means or anything like that or enemy of the gospel. You just, we just want to, you know, call out some error here because, right. uh, yeah, for Chandler, for me anyway, Chandler, he's, he's always going to hold a special place in, in my, uh, you know, walk through Reformed Theology. You know, he's one of the first, you know, guys I listen to, you know, guys like me that come out of, you know, word faith movements into Reformed Theology. Theology. You, you, we all know guys like Chandler and Piper and MacArthur are the kind of the first guys that we hear because they got the you know the biggest uh, audience and so forth. So yeah, by no means are we are we trying to uh, you know discredit the, the the man as a preacher or a gospel preacher of the Word of God. So yeah. so also I want to add I went to the village for three or four years, so yeah. I've met Matt Chandler personally, right? And um, you know I think he's a he's a he's a great expositor. There's a lot of things that he. Uh, that he preached and, you know, really strong things. But um, as of late, and we've talked about these things before, you know, when he goes to the, to the, uh, the gifts and the, and the prophecies that has gone a little bit to where we come from charismania kind of thing. And, and uh, that's the one thing I I would say when I look at what Matt Chandler's gone to, I'm just a little saddened by it because I've come out of that and I know the dangers of it, but this particular thing has been something that's been brewing in that. And I, and I think in his mind for a long time now, there have been things and there was always a, a reconciliation, racial reconciliation sermon every January that he preached. And I remember uh, standing up after a racial reconciliation sermon and looking at the, at the one black guy that was in the crowd thinking, what do I do now? Right? Like I, felt like, okay, how do I talk to this guy now? Because it, it just it just stirred up something in me that wasn't there before. Mm. And, and it's, it's funny, I had a conversation with Daryl Harrison at the G3 conference uh, earlier this year. And, you know, Daryl Harrison is very passionate about some of the things he believes. You know what he told me? He said, what's between me and you right now? And I said, nothing. Exactly. Exactly. There's nothing between me and you. There's no wall built between me and you. Mm-hmm. Why do we have to put one there? And mm-hmm. see, this is the this is the kind of thing that that, that gets me because I look at back at, at at Pastor Chandler's sermons on racial reconciliation and where there wasn't a wall built before the sermon started. Yeah. When it was over, I stood up, looked at that one black guy, and I felt like there was something between us. Yeah. And it was the it was the sermon that put it there. And so right. it's 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 kind of strange. I listen to Daryl Harrison. I think. That, see, that's the problem, right? Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times they don't want to see it. And, you know, the more woke that – I don't like really putting that word to, to Matt Chandler, but sometimes he does go that, that, that direction. Absolutely, yeah. And Pastor Henry, you were going to say something before I, before I start playing? Oh, no, no, I'm good. Go ahead. Okay, so we're about to play this clip, but 
I know that y'all going to have things to say, Pastor Chris, Pastor Henry. It's only a two-minute and 20-second clip. But as soon as you hear something you want to talk to, just say, Jimmy, 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 <laughs> right? And I will, I will pause the clip. All right, here we go, guys. If you'll study the civil rights movement in the 60s, there's a pattern that emerges. So the predominant leader there is Martin Luther King Jr., which we really like right now because he's dead. I have to believe that a Martin Luther King Jr. right now, he'd be a liberal Marxist socialist that everybody despises. But we'll quote him now because he's not here to offend us in the now. Uh, this is what uh, Jesus means when, when he says that, that you love the prophets that are no longer with us, but you don't like the prophets that are here today, but neither here nor there. In, in, in the six- yeah, so, so, so it's one thing. <laughs> hey, Pastor, Pastor Henry, we're 30 seconds in. We're 30 seconds in. I, I know, I know. I'm just... I'm, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm 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 really trying to be be really really control. Okay, so the first thing, I just I just want to note notate. Um, this is planned, guys. This has been thought through. This has been this is controlled anger. This is sort of there's a bit of theatrics here, uh, right? Um, but just more specifically, that I want to point out something. Okay, so uh, he he makes the common uh sort of trope and claim that some people do actually use right you know when they say marxist or whatever the case may be socialist or whatever the case um but when you read martin luther king's writings and when you look at his ideology it was marxist so i don't think that that's a stretch to be able to say that and to make that claim right um when you look at the way that he even spoke about jesus um he sort of compared jesus the way any other um, uh, common mystic would compare Jesus to anything. He compared Jesus to Gandhi and to all these sort of, sort of quote unquote faith leaders or these good peaceful people throughout time. That's also the first thing. Second thing is he denied the virgin birth. He, um, he, um, he, 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 I'll just come out and say it like based on all the writings and based on the information that we have from Martin Luther King Jr. sermons. Um, I don't believe that he had a confessed um, um, or, or a, or a professed uh, 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 religious belief in Jesus Christ. So to compare him to the prophets of old from the biblical text and say that we don't like the prophets, you know, until they're dead or whatever the case may be, that's a gross misrepresentation of both Martin Luther King's, ideology and what he lived by and what he wrote and what he believed. And that's a gross association to the prophets of old, which are actually called by God, confirmed by God and listed in scripture. Right. So I just want to point that one. Yeah. And just to add, I mean, yeah, he, he correlates the prophets of old to, I guess the prophetic message that we're supposed to be uh, speaking out against in this culture. But, we don't have prophets anymore. I don't know if he's, if he's kind of going back to his charismatic understanding of things, but we have the word of God now. That's our prophetic message. Amen. Uh, if we want to talk about what's our prophetic message right now, it's scripture. Because, you know, as Hebrews 1 says, long ago, God spoke to the prophets. Today, he speaks to us through the Son, the Logos, the word of God. So, yeah, I think he's making just a, a, a bad uh, correlation there. I'm going to add, I'm going to add one, one little thing to what y'all are saying also. I mean, because, Pastor Henry, you said it was, it was practiced. You know, it, it seems like he's just going off the cuff in this video but he adds that's neither here nor there and to me that was planned right that's neither here well why'd you say it if it's neither here nor there why why did you even bring it up if it's neither here nor there right and and, and so when you add that into a conversation uh yeah you wanted to do something with that with that statement right the correlation of martin luther king jr and the prophets of old you wanted to do something you wanted to shape us a little bit before you get into what you really want to talk about, right? So adding this statement, that's neither here nor there. Why'd you say it? Yeah, yeah it's definitely here. Because yeah. you put it there. <laughs> yeah, because you, because you said it. You, you, you start your whole little monologue with that particular thing and then say it's neither here nor there. I think that's um, just a little bit dishonest. Yeah, right? disingenuous, yeah. Um, anyway, so let's, let's continue on. We're at... We got, a, we got a minute 90 left. Let's see how far we get. <laughs> I mean, a minute 50. Here okay. we go. 
60s, the, the civil rights movement was born out of the church. And so if you, you study Martin Luther King, like there was this pattern. They, they would meet, they would pray, they would worship, they would go over kind of the rules of the protest, and, and then they would march. And, and this was a rhythm that was established by King so that it was rooted in the church, that the church let out in a very real way on the civil rights movement in the 60s. And, and now one of the things that has happened is the church by and large has, has refused to participate, which means that we have turned over, God help us, we have turned over what is our inheritance to dark ideologies. Like when you say, hey, we're not going to get involved. Let's just preach the gospel to that. Which, by the way, I find so... Okay, I got to pause there. <laughs> I got to pause there because, uh, I'm sorry, who's refusing to get involved? Right. I got to ask that question. I mean, where's that? Who? Who's he talking about refusing to get involved? Mm-hmm. Right? Here's, here's, the, here's the thing that I see throughout, throughout this whole thing, the, the thing we've been talking about for the past two weeks. I want to have the conversation. Yeah. I want to have this conversation. But you know what I get from from the woke crowd, from my friends that are thinking woke, right? If I bring it up, they don't want to have the conversation. They don't want me to bring up scripture. They don't want me to bring up these things. When I when I say let's let's have a conversation about right. it, you know what I get is I, I ain't got time for that. Yeah. I I want to be involved in these conversations. I want to have who's the who who is it that is backing up from from the inheritance. And I I don't know if I want to call it inheritance. What I would say is that I love people, right? And those people that are getting duped into this whole ideology, I want to share the truth with them of what the Bible teaches, right? Uh, again, I've said this before, I'll say it again, people that are so involved in this movement are really getting their source of truth from media or from uh, woke preachers, uh, but they're not actually delving into the word of God to right. see how they should view the world, which is what I keep saying. If your source of truth is scripture, you're going to have a different a different way of viewing this this whole thing, yeah. right? Because uh, every everything that that... that is being demanded by the woke crowd is works. It's works, right? You got to show me something. You got to, you got to, Hey, you got to polish my shoes. Right. Or you got to yeah, do but, something. But, but, but when he talks about um, our inheritance, my question would be to that statement, what inheritance, what is the church's inheritance? Because he talked, because he, he, he jumps off of, 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 of the, of the church, not getting involved. I would say, What's our inheritance, according to Scripture, and what should we be at, be at, be actually involved in? Right. Should should we be involved in a mismatch of Black Lives Matter, the organization, and Antifa, which is an anarchist organization, uh, with KKK or whatever? Like, what should the church go out there and mark lockstep in with everybody else? Well, I should, think that's what should we be involved with with a sinful ideology. And right. are we giving up an inheritance? And what is that inheritance? Our inheritance is eternal. So are we looking yeah. for some law? Is that our inheritance? Is America our inheritance? Is some some mere uh, 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 man's created utopia our, our inheritance? Right. Now, I think that's what he's trying to say, argue against, is that because we didn't go out and become activists as a church, that we've created this vacuum to to give room to groups like Black Lives Matter and so forth. So I think that's that's his argument. But I just want to go to, you know, we talk about these these wordy ideologies that are infiltrating the church. I think he's he's sharing one here. He's correlating what's going on now to the civil rights era. Absolutely. So the civil rights era, there was actually tangible things where the church probably should have had a voice over, right? We we had segregation. We had Jim Crow laws. We had all these things that needed to be overturned. So he's saying that is exactly the same thing is going on now. But again, we've talked about this before. Let's talk about what was going on now. Nobody gives specifics. Nobody gives tangible things. You, you know, you want to say there's this there's this issue going on. Well, we brought out numbers about the, the you know, the cops shooting unarmed black men, and they, they just weren't there, right? So we, we, we bring statistics to to the to the table and they're always say well 
it's it's more than that, right? So let's talk about tangible things, right? But nobody wants to bring in, you know, specifics. Right. So we're, we're equating what's going on in 2020 to what, what happened in 1964 or wherever. And that, to me, that is a worldly ideology that wants to keep this victim mentality going here in, in 2020 when a lot of things have changed, but yet we're failing to recognize that. You know, and, and Pastor Henry, we, we talked last night, you know, when we were out um, at that get at your appointment. And you, you told me something about having had these conversations with people uh, showing them, you know, some truths, showing them some facts and asking questions. Um, so when he says that the, the church doesn't want to get involved, right? Like I can tell the three of us as an example, do want to get involved, right? We want to have the conversation. So it really gets me that he would say that we're not stepping up as a church. We're not stepping up. Hey, I want to have the conversation, but I, I, I want to be able to, to, to point out my view, right? And, and you know what? I get a lot of pushback from, sh- from sharing scripture, right? Here, here's what the Bible actually teaches about partiality, right? And so when you do that, there's people that just don't want to hear that because they want to continue with their woke ideology. They want to continue with their, their thinking. And so they refuse to, to have the conversation with us. It's not us that don't want to have the conversation. I think the church will get into the thick of it. And I, and I think if you, if you go to social media, you'll find if you have any kind of friends that are really involved in the church or reformed thinking, right. um, you'll see a lot of posts where they are bucking against this whole woke movement. It's yeah. not that the church is not getting involved. It's just that we're not out there in protests and writing because what are we going to protest? If, yeah, if we'll, I was going to protest anything, I, I'd be protesting the woke ideology. Right. We'll talk right. about how the church needs to get involved, right, in a second. So Sure. Let's, let's, we're going to continue on. Right. Where are we at? 115. We still got uh, a little over a minute to go. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, hypocritical. You don't just preach the gospel of sex trafficking. You don't just preach the gospel on the issue of life and abortion. No, you act. And so it's why it's like this brain broke disjoint that's got us acting obscene, I mean, absurd, and then critiquing this movement as being evil and dark. Okay. Really, really, really quick. <laughs> really, really quick. Okay. So he says, you don't just preach the gospel when it comes to abortion. You don't just preach the gospel when it comes to uh, sex, sex trafficking. We have clear scriptural mandate of what those things are. And here's the yeah. problem. Like we talked about last, last week, actually defining terms and getting a stagnant, non-movable target when it comes to racism, when it comes to oppression, like, just those terms, terms, period. Everybody has their own definition for what right. race, racism is. Everybody right. has their own definition for what oppression is. And nobody's looking to the Bible for the scriptural foundation of what these things are. We know what murder is. Murder is right. the taking of someone's life. When you kill a baby in the womb, that is a life that is created and shaped and formed by God. We have scriptural basis for all of that. God hates man stealing so much so that, that, that in the Old Testament, it was the death penalty for doing so. We have a scriptural mandate for trafficking and for stealing and for kidnapping, right? But what, like, whose definition of racism do we use? We talked about that last week. And whose definition of oppression do we use to be able to act, right? Right. Because nobody's using the scriptural de- definition. And that's the problem. How do I get involved when I have no foundation by scripture of what to act against? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, just to go a little further, these last few incidents that we've seen. So Rayshard Brooks last week, right? Um, this officer has now been charged with murder. Um, and from all, in, from all views, it, it, it does seem like, you know, the man pointed a taser at him, Right. And there's some people that would argue, well, that's not a lethal instrument. Hey, how much further will this guy, is this guy willing to go, right? And, and so as a cop, I, to me, it seemed like a justified thing. But you know what? You want to attach racism to that. How? Because you can't see the man's heart. The only person that can do that is God, right? God is the only one that can see uh, that officer's heart. And same thing with Derek Chauvin. Up to this point, we still don't know if he was racially motivated, right? Like, yes, he murdered the man. He, he, put, the, he put his knee on, the, on, on, on George Floyd's neck, 
but we don't know if it was racially motivated, right? So when we talk about racial reconciliation and, and what Matt Chandler is going on about here, we don't actually know that that was the case. If, if, if we're, if we're going to go and say murder is wrong, yes, we already agree murder is wrong. Amen. Right? But when it comes to the racial aspect of these things, uh, what, are we, what are we doing? Because he's making it an absolute. Like, that's an absolute thing. We know it was racial. Right. We don't. We still, to this day, don't know if it was racially motivated. And they never, and, and he never defines what he feels oppression and racism is because he knows that that crowd, it's an ever moving target and everybody has their own definition of what it is. Yeah. yeah. Not only that, when people always equate that to abortion, I'm like, well, abortion is legal in this country. So we're, it's legal to kill baby so that's why we are <laughs> we're stepping out against that and we have a loud voice on that i mean racism how you can legislate legislate that good luck you know that's me and pastor henry talked had this conversation last night i mean you i've heard daryl harrison say this it's attitudinal right um and he he, he went back to to the story of cain and abel the very first murder in the bible um, Cain rose up and, and killed his brother. But before, before that even happened, God looked at, at Cain and said, Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? Why are you so angry right now? So there was anger in his heart. And, and, and so God could see that and he questioned him on it. And so the, 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 point, the point that I'm making is, is that there's an attitude behind it. And I'm sorry, whoever you are, you, you, you can't see a man's heart to see his attitude or the anger behind what he's going through. You just can't. And so to legislate it is impossible. To, right. to, even if you did put a law on the books, how are you going to enforce it? Mm. How are you going to view a man's heart? You know, lie detectors just don't always work, man. You know, hey, <laughs> uh, let me hook you up to lie detector. Are you racist? <laughs> how is that going to work? Right. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. There, there are clearly racist racists out there right that when you get to talking to, to, to somebody and you start to see their their language you might see and hey um okay that was a racist comment i've seen it before but you know what i couldn't say anything because the the racist comment was coming from somebody black and they're they're going to tell me i can't be racist because mm -hmm. hey uh, i'm the oppressed class and i'm sitting here going wait a minute hold on <laughs> we're changing everything up here. And so anyway, I, at this point, you can never legislate it because how right. can you, how can you enforce something that is so like pastor Henry said, a moving target, right? Let me just move it over here. Then you can't legislate anymore. This is going to be a never ending argument. Yeah. Right. Right. I guess. Okay. I get on my little diatribe. Let's, let's keep on going, man. We still got, uh, we got less than a minute. We're, we might make it. Here we go. <laughs> When we have given up our inheritance, you, you cannot point out all the flaws in this current movement while you have abandoned the place that we were meant to play. You cannot point out all the, well, this means this, and this believes this, and that's this, and that's this, and, and ignore the sorrow and lament of 12 to 13 million image bearers in our country. You can't do that. We mourn with those who mourn. And yes, there are demonic and evil ideologies at play, but that's where the people of God are meant to run with light and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to sit back and snipe via social media. I'm, I got a little hot there. I apologize. That's it. Hey, we made it through, man. We're, we're, yeah, we're we done. <laughs> um, I, just, I just want to point out, like when he ends the, the little diatribe by saying, I'm sorry, I got a little hot there or whatever. Like, <laughs> like, like, okay, we, we all have done this in some type of way. Like, you know, we, we all have been in positions of management, supervisors and, you know, uh, places of work, even places of worship, right? Where you're trying to inspire somebody and you do certain, certain things. This is clearly sort of those rehearsed anger things. Like, yes, you may have a righteous indignation because some, somebody died, but you're clearly trying to get across a point, and this is clearly rehearsed, right? Um, and even if it's off the cuff, you are sort of, sort of playing up the theatrics of the situation, right? But, you know, he goes on to talk about, uh, it, you know, and, and, and here's, here's another, another, another point. Um, 
when he goes in his diatribe and he's talking about how Christians don't join the fight or join the movement because this believes that and this believes this or whatever, just just really vague terms, right? Right, right. He doesn't go into detail when it comes to not joining these particular organizations and movements and ideologies, but he goes into intimate detail when it comes to scolding the church. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's like everything is glossed over. Like, no. I'm not joining the Black Lives Matter organization because it was started by three queer women that have an LGBT agenda and they do not want the nuclear family to thrive. Now, not only does that go against the biblical narrative of what God has designed for the family, I would say that as that, 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 that as the canary in the coal mine in America, the black person in America, that goes against the black family. Right. right. That goes against fatherlessness. It makes no sense to join an organization or to support an organization or to walk lockstep with that organization if I'm black and if I'm a Christian, right? right. That just yeah, makes absolutely. no sense. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think uh, there was a lot there. Uh, I'm glad we made it through. I didn't think we were going to make it through. But, we it through. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about this. What do we mean, guys? When we say, when you guys say, I know what I mean. Well, what, let me hear your thoughts. What do you mean when you say, the answer to all this is the gospel. We need to just preach the gospel. What do you guys mean by that? When I was looking and you know, we decided that the subject was going to be, we're going to talk about how we get pushed back from saying just preach the gospel. Um, it got me thinking, right? Like, and I went and you know, read, read a couple articles um, to find out. And uh, I, I agree, everything isn't just the gospel. Here's a couple of things I want to, I want to say this um, when people read the word of God, unbelievers aren't going to understand it. The Bible's clear about that, right? Scripture um, needs the Holy Spirit to, to guide you, right? Scripture with the Holy Spirit guiding you will bring you into an understanding, right? People that are, that are looking or, or reading the Bible without the Holy Spirit or unsaved, they're going to be confounded and confused uh, about what the Bible has to teach, right? But as Christians... We, we don't just preach the gospel all the time. We look to the, to the Bible for all kinds of answers, right? Answers to how to raise our kids, answers to how to, how to live, you know, with your spouse, uh, answers to how to uh, thrive, you know, read the book of Proverbs. It talks a lot about, about how, to, uh, how to thrive financially, right? Uh, read the book of Proverbs on how, how to raise your, your son. Uh, understanding is what we should go for, uh, you know, we should, uh, the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? There's the, the wisdom to be had. There's, there's other things to preach on besides just the gospel. But let's talk about in the context of what we've been talking about for the past two weeks and into today, three weeks now, we've been discussing the same thing. When it comes to what we call, quote, unquote, racism, right, that's a man's attitude. That's a man's heart. That's what's, that's what's in his heart comes out of his mouth, right? If a man's heart is, is, is dark, he needs the gospel. So Absolutely. for this particular context of issue that we've been talking about for the past three weeks, just preach the gospel is the only answer, right? What other answer is it that you want? Here's, here's what I would say. To anyone that wants to tell me that just preach the gospel is, isn't, is a naive thing to say, right? I would say, in what context are you talking about, right? Because I can, I can agree with you if I'm already talking to a Christian that wants some help with, with you know, hey, I, I've got a particular sin that I keep struggling with. Where would you take me to? You know what I do is I grab my Bible and I say, let's go look at what the Bible says about this. Let's go look at what the Bible says about addiction. Let's go look at what the Bible says about divorce. Let's go look at what the Bible says about this or about that. All those things in, in some form or fashion still are connected to the gospel, but, but they give us advice on how to live our lives, right? But I'm talking about Christians now. Absolutely. Right? When, I, when I step out, out into the unbeliever world, which I believe this has a lot to do with unbelievers, people that, that haven't dealt with their racism, maybe even some Christians that haven't dealt with their racism, or don't even realize that they that they that they you know that they have been racist, right? And and I think that it was a surprise to me. I mentioned the fact um, that last week I know it was kind of a little joke me talking about me having some uh, racism in my heart because of all the black guys that stole my girlfriends when I was when I was younger. But the fact of the matter is, 
um, that wasn't apparent to me at first. It took Christ to open my eyes to the fact that I had some racist tendencies. Some people don't even see it within themselves. It takes Christ to open your eyes and to see that, that truth. Right? You know, where, where, you know uh, what's going to get somebody to get connected to Christ? The gospel. So I, I just rounded right back to this thing. If racism exists in a man's heart, preach the gospel to that guy. Right? And then pray for him. Right? If you're a Christian and you are on this, on this uh, tree stump preaching anything other than the gospel to those racists, you're not getting anywhere. You're, not, you're, you're, just not, you're just running around in circles. You're flailing your arms around. You're boxing with the air, like Paul would say. Right? What's the point of all that if you, if you can't get to the man's heart? And that's, that's my point. When I say preach the gospel, I mean specifically in this context. That's what I'm talking about. And, and you can't tell me anything else will work. You, yeah, can't, you can't change my mind on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when we say, well, at least when I say, um, you know, and, and I hate how they add the just on there, like just preach the gospel as if I'm trying to be dismissive. Or right. right. <laughs> like, like, nobody's saying that, like, you know, uh, some people may be saying that, and, but it's some, but, but it's some fringe you know, my new crowd that's not even relevant, right? But right. But when I say preach the gospel, I'm saying that because in the gospel is everything. You know, you know, the car cannot move without an engine. You know, you can have the best alternator in the world. You can have the most, you know, the the most quality battery. You can have the most quality tires, but without an engine, that car is going nowhere, right? So without the gospel, there is no discipleship. Without the gospel, there is no justice. Without the gospel, there is no reconciliation for anybody, right? There is no reconciliation of the heart. There's no reconciliation, which is the ultimate one that we should be looking for, which is reconciliation with God. Because if we're not first and foremost reconciled with God, the creator of the universe, how can we ever love his creation, which are made in his image? We, We wouldn't, right? And so when we say preach the gospel, we mean, you know, that glorious gospel that was preached by the apostles, given to us for everything, for practice, for law, for reconciling, for all these things. It is the gospel by which we stand on that our hearts have been transformed, that we can then outpour all these things, discipleship, uh, 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 fighting for justice, standing for God's word, uh, you know, you know, poor, poor, like not just performing mere racial reconciliation, but reconciliation of the heart, because once the heart changes, everything else follows. This is the same thing that Jesus says when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things are going to be added unto you. In, in, in context, he's talking about don't be anxious for things on the earth, right? Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious for all these things that are worldly, that are temporal, right? Race is something that is worldly and it is temporal and it's going to fade away. It's going to be burnt up with fervent heat, right? But the gospel will reign forever because it is God's holy word. And it, and it is transformative to where if you sign some peace treaty and it's a, recon, and, and it's a racial reconciliation peace treaty, well, we've seen this in the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, Pharaoh, you know, loved Joseph. Joseph was, was, um, was, you know, only second to Pharaoh, right? But after those Pharaohs died, what wound up happening? That peace and that treaty and that love faded because those men's hearts weren't transformed from the inside out. So that same sin is going to rise back up. So it's going to be never ending. You will never get racial reconciliation without the gospel. Because it is the only trans transformative message, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, this is one, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll take it off race, but um, I've, I have many conversations with Hebrew Israelites. Uh, there's a couple of groups in Dallas, but there's one group uh, that specifically lives on my grandmother's street. Actually, um, it's called one body in Yahweh And this is how I realized that just preach the gospel or preaching the gospel was all I needed. Right. So I'm talking to this guy and he's talking about the black man. He's talking about how we've been oppressed and he's trying to exegete Deuteronomy 68, which they do a terrible job of. Um, But, you know, but, but I found myself talking about 
the Illuminati and the two towers falling and building seven and is the earth flat and and did we land on the moon and corruption in the government and i'm like where am, like i started talking about scripture and now i'm in la la land you know things that are not going to even matter now look you know i'll jump into a good conspiracy theory i'll talk all day long with somebody right but at the end of the day all that matters is the gospel amen you know what i'm saying like yeah you know if, if I sat there and I proved to him that, you know, that everything the government said was false or everything that the government said is said is true, we would still get nowhere concerning his heart. Good. Well, I just want to add a small thing to what Pastor Henry just said, um, because, you know, I got to say, I, when I when I have had to deal with somebody that, you know, on and on about the flat earth, um, and I love this guy, Right. I, I want to get to the point where I just say, hey, let's serve the Lord. And when we get to heaven, we, we have a better perspective to see whether or not the earth is flat. Because, <laughs> because to me, it's just, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I guess, you know, I believe the earth is round, right? But, I mean, if you have this conviction, that can't be your soul everything, right? Because you, you dismissed Jesus, You've dismissed the gospel. You've dismissed what you should be doing. And, and scripture uh, is every, to the Christian, scripture should be our source. And, and it's God's word, right? Um, Jesus is the first and the last, not just because scripture says so, because, but in my life, right? Jesus is the first and the last for me, right? And he's, he's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha, the omega. He, he is uh, my everything, it should be for the Christian, my everything. But when you make something else like that, your everything, then you've, you've moved over this, this gospel. And so for me, when you, what you said, Pastor Henry, was really important because people get caught up in that. And this is the same thing with this whole, uh, what's the unrest that we've been seeing in the country. People get caught up in that and they forget. Go back to the scriptures. Amen. Go back to your foundation. Go back to your first love. And, and, and get to get to know in Christ again. And remember, he said some things that were just totally against, hey, forgive them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he said that from the cross. And, and here we are uh, taking on every little microaggression and saying, that's an offense to me, right? Instead of, instead of forgiving. And so, I don't know. Uh, I, get, I get on this. Thank you, Pastor Henry, for what you just said, because it made, made a difference, right? Like, yeah. I'm thinking about that and saying, yeah, we should just be preaching the gospel to those that are stuck in these worldly ideologies and stuck in conspiracy theories and stuck in, in, that, kind, in that kind of thing. I'm just, you know, there you go. That's my. Yeah. No, I think when, when we say preach the gospel, when I say preach the gospel anyway, I think I say it because that's the message of the church. That's our message. That's that's the message that we've been commissioned with. The church has been commissioned with the message of the gospel because we've seen and we, we saw in the New Testament, the gospel is what can turn the world around. The gospel is what can change lives. The gospel is what could bring dead people uh, to life. And when you look at the context in the first century, again, I, I kind of keep going back to this. I mean, we had people that were under oppression, more oppression than what we see in 2020, right? In, in America, we had people that were under the rule of, of the Roman government. And some of the leaders in Rome at the time were doing some awful things. I mean, they crucified Christ. That was the biggest injustice, right? So we see a people living in injustice. And before Christ left the earth, what was his message to the church? What was his message to the disciples? Was it to go therefore and protest? Go therefore and make sure you obtain your uh, your freedom as Jews? No. It was go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 1-8, same thing. Go into all the earth. You're going to be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit falls upon you. You're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. He was commissioning them with the message of the gospel. And this is our message as a church. It's the same as in the first century. It's the same message that was given to the original apostles. Today, our message is the gospel. So when we say preach the gospel, that's what we mean is that our message as a church should not be blurred with the message of the world. It should not be mingled or mixed with any worldly ideology. Our message needs to be pure. Our message needs to be clear. It is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only answer and is the only thing that can make dead men live. It is the only thing to give people new hearts, to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh so that in turn, we can start loving our neighbor because it doesn't work the other way around. We don't love our neighbor first and then then embrace the gospel 
because we can't. Again, Pastor Henry, you, you harped on that a couple of times already. We have a whole book in the Old Testament that shows laws can't change hearts. Laws cannot give people new hearts, no matter how, not even God's law. So you mean to tell me that American laws can give people new hearts? No, not even God's law could give someone a new heart. It took a supernatural act of the gospel to give people new hearts so they could in turn start obeying the law. Amen. Let me say this. A lot of people always go back to the Old Testament and say, you know, they pull out the scriptures from the prophets about oppression and justice and everything like that. But, but see, here's the thing, is that the prophets were calling the people to obey the law. When we look at the law, the Ten Commandments, look at the second table of the law, it's justice. It's doing right to your neighbor, right? So what the prophets were seeing was an abandonment of the law. People were, were not honoring each other. People were coveting. People were stealing from each other. People were murdering one another. These were people who had abandoned the law, and the prophets come and tell them, you know, you need to start seeking justice. You need to love the poor. You know, these are things. It's not like the, the prophets were bringing in some new law. They were just telling people to turn back to the original law. Absolutely. And, and, and let's just transfer that over to the New Testament. It, it is the same thing. As Christians, as believers, we, we need to make a distinction between the law and the gospel. And that this is where what I'm seeing, the biggest thing I'm seeing is people uh, conflate the law and the gospel, especially, you know, a lot of people in the, the new Calvinist, uh, neo-Calvinist movement love, love to do this. They love to say, everything's a gospel issue. Uh, this justice is a gospel issue. Uh, you know, abortion is a gospel issue. Misogyny is a gospel issue. Well, the gospel, it has one issue. It is, it is the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a message. The gospel is not law. Those other things that you're, you're telling people to do, that, that's part of loving your neighbor. That's part of the second table of the law, of the commandment. Right. We're called to, you know, not murder and not steal and not covet and, uh, you know, not commit adultery. All the uh, things that we're supposed to do to one another, to love one another, to take care of one another, to, to do justice, that's the second table of the law. That's a law issue. And people cannot follow the law until they embrace the gospel. So when we say, just preach the gospel or again Pastor Andy, I know people like to say just add the just we're not saying just we're, when we say preach the gospel we mean preach the gospel to change lives so lives can start obeying the law and then when once we obey the law then we will see justice then we will see people loving their neighbor as they should by no means are we antinomian I sent you guys a text about that uh, you know this week we're not we're not saying oh yeah just just preach the gospel get people saved and have nobody obey the law and have everybody just do what they want because they punched their ticket to heaven we don't preach that. That is not that is not our theology. If you come right. to Ecclesia, you'll know that is not our theology. We, we preach the gospel and we, we disciple people to obey the law because that is the scripture, that is the word of God. It is not the other way around. We cannot go out in the world and disciple people without first bringing the gospel to, yeah. so they can change their life. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that you used the phraseology about mingling our faith with another ideology. Because I, I think Galatians 1 and 8 is apt where, you know, where, where the apostle is admonishing the apostles. It says plainly, it says, but even if we, the apostles, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary, right? Should right. preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, right? So there's this event I, I think they still have it every, every year. I, I think it's, so, it's sort of headed up or, uh, or uh, Pastor Thabidiani Buele has, has been a part of it. And they call it just, uh, just, just gospel, right? You know, using that as a term, just gospel, right? And I'm thinking like, I understand what you're saying, but you're trying to mingle an ideology with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't need an adjective in front of it because right. the gospel of Jesus Christ is just by definition. Yeah. So it doesn't need the word just on the front of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> go ahead. It's, it's, it's just, it, it's, we would say the same thing of the prosperity gospel, Absolutely. of the name and claim it gospel, and say the same thing if somebody puts a moniker of just gospel. It's yeah. just the gospel. I, I want to add something here. Um, I, I, I like what you're saying there. It, it makes me think about, uh, you know, um, Daryl Harrison, Virgil Walker's podcast called Just Thinking, which can have two. I'm just thinking it can have, and then just right thinking. I, right. If anybody's not catching that, just gospel, like it's, you know, this is the right gospel. This is the righteous gospel. Um, but here's another thing I want to add 
to our conversation because I was just thinking about this. We, we should show grace to those people that haven't come this far yet. Right. Now this is one of those things that I'm not seeing from this worldly ideology. There's no grace to be given. Right. Yeah. You either are, you aren't, it's either black and white with them. And, and uh, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, when Paul opposed Peter uh, over the fact that he was sitting and eating with the Gentiles and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, here, here come the, those of the circumcision party and he shied away from the Gentiles because of the way it looked. Right. Uh, and so Paul, it came and opposed Peter. Peter had some learning to do, right? Peter had some uh, uh, introspection that he had to do about why he did that. So you look at Peter and you think, well, this is one of the, he's the very first of the apostles, right? He's, he's the very first one that preached to 3,000 men and they came to, to Christ. Right. So you look at Peter and you think, what a, what a great apostle. But he had his faux pas. He had his things that, that he had to learn. Even after he was this disciple, this great man of God, um, he shied away from the Gentiles because of the way it looked. And you correlate that to, to some of what's going on today, and you, and you think, uh, I want to show grace to those people that are caught up in this worldly ideology and thinking that somehow this is, listen, I, I, I want people that are hearing us, uh, listening to us on, on SolarCast to hear what I'm saying when I say that. Listen, if you want to win souls, he that wins souls is wise. You're not going to do it by preaching a worldly ideology. You're only going to do it by preaching the gospel. You're only going to do that because God's word doesn't go out and come back void, right? When you preach from the word of God, when you preach uh, Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the penal substitutionary atonement uh, that, that on the cross for his people, then you preach the gospel, then men's hearts can be changed and they can start to see uh, the world for what it is. I'm never going to win souls with preaching worldly ideologies. Man. Yeah. I, I got to add this. So I, I see this picture that's floated around sometimes with, and I'm sure you guys have seen it where um, a bunch of KKK members are in a church and in the background, there's a, on the, on the backdrop, there's a sign that says Jesus saves. Yeah. You guys seen that? Yeah. I've seen right. yeah, seen seen yeah. So people point to that a lot and say, this is what just preach the gospel means. Right. So it's just about, you know, getting people saved and you can still remain in your, your, your sinfulness and uh, your sinful deeds, but that's not what we mean. And that's not, that's definitely not what we mean. So, you know, and I think that that's the caricature. We talk about a straw man. That, that's the character that people paint on us. Absolutely. But we're not, I, I just think that we need to rest assured that we're not saying that we're not saying that just because you punch your ticket to heaven and, you know, we evangelize, that's it. You don't, you don't do anything else. I think there, there are things, and this is where discipleship comes in. This is where having a, a strong uh, theology of, or a strong ecclesiology, just a, a strong, a strong church. You know, let's put it, let's put it as simple as that. Churches need to step up in, in discipling one another and teaching everybody all the things that, that God commanded us to love one another, to serve one another. You know, James, uh, let me just uh, go to this scripture here. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Hey, that is the word of God, and we believe that. And we're going to teach that in our churches. We're not going to teach you to be passive. We're not going to teach you to overlook, you know, injustices or any type of oppressions when you see them. Again, we got to be careful because that's always a, a moving target and a changing definition. Right. But when you when you do see those things, absolutely, we need to be in our churches teaching our people to do righteousness, to do the works uh, that Christ has called us to do, to love one another, to 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 show that their faith is genuine by putting action to them. So we're not calling anybody to passivity. We're not calling people to be passive and just punch your ticket to heaven and just kind of have this escapism mentality in, in your Christianity. No, we, we're still living in this common kingdom. Yes, we're citizens of the new kingdom, but we're still called to live in this common kingdom. And while we're in this common kingdom, then we display the fruits of our repentance. We, we love one another. We do good works that show our faith is genuine. Amen. 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 Anyway, guys, any final thoughts as we uh, we round out the, uh, well, the well, episode I, here? I, I, I would like to just say say this is like, you know, um, it is not the Christian attitude that we should be polarized on areas of justice, and I think that 
you know, this, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to attack two different points. So people keep talking about people on both sides and I want to be neutral and balanced and everything. And those words just get on my nerves because we are not called to be neutral in Christ. We're not called to be balanced in Christ. We are called to be truthful. If I tell you the truth and it, li- and, and it, and it aligns with one side that you believe that you don't sort of like or whatever, then let every man be a liar and let God be praised for being the truth teller, right? If I tell the truth and, you know, and it aligns with what you believe, it's not because I believe what you believe. It's because I believe the word of God, right? And so when we think about that, um, you know, this will keep us away from strawmanning other people's positions. Because if you want to have an honest dialogue, then you wouldn't strawman your people's, your, uh, uh, rather your, your opponent's position. You would find out what they really believe or what they really mean. And don't be dismissive. One thing that I see on Twitter all the time is that, you know, there'll be some, some, some brother, he'll, he'll, of course, you know, the people be able to see somebody's Twitter uh, post or account or whatever, and they will dismiss them. And they'll say things, things like, well, if you don't know by now, then I don't have time to educate you. Or if you don't know, then you're part of the problem. Right. But if I'm asking you a genuine question and I'm trying to understand and I'm trying to get you to define your terms, then how can your resume reconciliation ever be solved if you don't have time to educate, if you don't have time as a Christian to be charitable, to properly define your terms and definitions, right? Yeah. As Christians, we are called to give an answer, right? Not, not just for, you know, gospel's sake and for the law's sake, but for the faith that is within us, meaning that this is why I believe what I believe. And this is the definition of my term. And so I, I feel like if, if we all dive into that, there'll be less straw man and there'll be more conversations to alleviate these things. And we can all stand up on truth. I'm, I'm just going to add, and I'm, I'm going to piggyback off of what Pastor Henry's saying. Um, let's be careful to redeem the time, right? Like, like how much time do you have left? And what are you going to be? What are you going to be uh, doing when you spend that time? What are you going to spend your time doing? Right? Are you going to spend your time um, so caught up in worldly ideologies and the things of this world that you don't see, you know, what's coming? There's an eternity to be had, right? And uh, if you're not working for those things eternal, again, I go back to the same thing: where are you building up your treasures? Um, here on this earth, where moth and rust corrupt. Right. Or are you are you putting them in, in heaven where where moth can't get in, where rust can't corrupt and where a thief can't break in and steal? I'll say that again and again and again, because uh, to me, uh, you're if you're pouring more and more of your of your effort into what's going on in this world, you're missing something. Right. And 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 to me, that involves preaching the gospel um, and discipling others. Right. Uh, we get the chance to disciple someone and, and open your Bible with them. Um, this is what I would say. My final thought is this. Keep your Bible handy, right? Refer to it more than you refer to CNN or to Fox News. Refer to the Bible as your source of truth more than you do any commentator out there, even more than Solacast, right? Because Solacast could be, you know, we're not, fa- we're not infallible, right? But the God's word is, and I lean on that. I don't, I don't lean on my own understanding, but I lean on God's word because it is, it is the source of truth. And it, is, it, it has shown me who I am. It has shown me the man that I am. And one of those things, I always go back to Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. We're all like this, right? Uh, but I would, I would just say that the Bible can teach us who we really are and show us that there's fault in each one of us. And this, was, this, this comes from... Uh, um, Growing in sanctification, the Holy Spirit will sanctify us. We're born again believers in Christ. We shouldn't chase after worldly ideologies and get caught up in what the world's caught up in. We should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And the Holy Spirit's the only one that can do that for us and move us along in that path. Um, and And my call to anybody that's listening would be, please step back, think about redeeming the time, open your Bible and start to read that. 
right? Because if all you're doing is reading, you know, what's going on in the world, you're going to get caught up in the world. Um, and so stop, stop. That's my, that's my advice. That's the last thing I want to say. Man. Yeah, yeah. I just like to end with the verse, First Corinthians 2. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, you know, that's the Apostle Paul. And I don't think anybody's going to accuse the Apostle Paul of just preach the gospel only. I mean, you know, he had some <laughs> other things. <laughs> he had some other things to say, right? And we have other things to say as a church. We're not saying this is, you know, our only message. You know, this is our main message. This is the message we lead with. This is the message that we believe has the power to be effective. But the church is also called to be the salt and light of the earth. The church is also called to be a shining city on the hill. We do, you know, do acts of righteousness and justice in this world. Uh, So we're not by any means saying that we're to abandon any of those things. But we do know that our main message is the gospel. So anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you got any questions, uh, any pushback, anything you'd like to add, just go ahead and send us a message. You can find us at www.thesolacast.com or you can find us on Facebook. Just go to the search bar there and search Solacast. Make sure you like the page and share the page. Also find us on Instagram at the Solacast and you can find us on Twitter at Sola underscore cast. And you guys are at? I'm at Los Jimmy. I'm at Knox Broadcast. And I'm at C Hernandez 214. Also, if you're in the Dallas area, make sure you come and visit us. You can visit us uh, every uh, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. You might have to wear a mask now, according to uh, our county judge. I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) I guess we got to talk about that. But uh, every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., 3232 Batan Street, Dallas, Texas, 75212 is where we meet, www.ecclesiachurch.org, where you can find out more information about our church. But anyway, until next time. Let's get to the meet. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Okay. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music, but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping graces, full of slacker.